I want to start with uh, Maya Angelou. Um, her book has been banned. Is one of five books that have been banned um, by an Alaska school board for being controversial. Now, I'm not going to get into what these books are about because that's not what's important. So, this is from the Daily Wire. And uh, here we go. Five books um, are being banned by a school board in southern Alaska due to their controversial stories and themes, including Maya Angelou's I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. My Fox News reported that the Matanuska Sis... Sasitna School Board in Palmer, Alaska voted 5-2 to two to ban the books which include Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison, Catch-22 by Joseph Heller, The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien, I, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings by Maya Angelou, and The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Um, okay, let me read this. Uh, this is from Fox. Angelo's work was banned because of a graphic description she wrote about being molested as a child and for anti-white messaging. The things they carried about the Vietnam War was cited for profanity and sexual references, while Catch-22 was banned for racist attitudes, misogyny, and violence. As for The Great Gatsby, it was reportedly removed for language and sexual references. An Invisible Man, a story of race and identity in a pre-civil rights era America, was nixed for language and depictions of rape and incest. Uh, three of the books, you know, awards and stuff like that. That's not the point. Um, let me let me just get into it, okay? I think this is this is clearly wrong because one, this is censorship, and two, this is. Being challenged is part of education. You're supposed to be challenged. You're supposed to be stretched. You're supposed to be uncomfortable. Some books, all books aren't, you know, you know, nursery rhymes. Some books are uncomfortable. Some things are supposed to make you wince a little bit. That's the reason, that's one of the reasons for education. It challenges you. Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn, you know, those books aren't supposed to be easy to read. These, bo these books aren't supposed to be easy. These books are to challenge you and to give you different perspectives from authors and, you know, different points of history, different language. That's the point. This is, this is absolutely wrong. I'm completely and totally against this ban. No book should be banned in a, at a school. Because, see, here's the thing. Again, we've talked about censorship before, but I'm going to say it again. When it comes to censorship, very slowly, very slowly, things just... Censorship is like this growth. And it starts really small, and then it grows just a little bit. And then it's like, okay, well, here it is. We have things in black and white. But there's always going to be gray areas. And so what censorship does, it says, okay, mm, this is kind of close. It's gray. We're not really sure. 
just to be safe, we're going to say no. And so now it's gotten bigger. And that's the problem that we're having. This is very wrong. I haven't read the things they carried. I've read a little bit of Catch-22. Um, I read The Great Gatsby. Um, I've heard of Invisible Man. And I know why the cage bird sings. I have read that. Um, the books are supposed to be uncomfortable. The idea is to be challenged. All things aren't, aren't a happily ever after. When you read a book, you're supposed to analyze, okay, who's writing this? Why are they writing this? You know, when are they writing this? What is the story about? What's the message? That's what you need to be looking at when you're writing. It's not about whether something is offensive. Anything is, anything can be considered offensive. It's not an argument. Because let me let me go down to what um to what uh Jim Hart said, who's one of the board members. Uh one of the board members who voted in favor of the ban, Jim Hart, never read two of the books he voted to ban. Instead of relying on summarized versions, the Anchorage Daily News reported, the two books he hadn't read were I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings and Invisible Man. Hart said Angelo's book was banned for its description of molestation. If I were to read this in a professional environment at my office, I'd be dragged into the Equal Opportunity Office, he told the outlet. Kelsey Trimmer, who voted against the ban, told the Daily News that it felt like the plot of Footloose, where the old white man's club decided what people can and can't do. Sarah Walton, who also voted against the ban, told the outlet that the controversial book subjects, as reviewed by parents, is beneficial to our students. I think it might be doing I think we might be doing a disservice to not provide that. Former educator Pat Chesborough, one of many, many people outraged by the bans, and posted a message she said she sent to the message she sent to the board asking what specific parts of the book were objectionable and if anyone had actually complained about them. One of the purposes in teaching books that have controversial content is so that teachers can guide students through the book to get the underlying ideas, she wrote. From your reading of those books, what are the underlying ideas to which you object? This is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. I would I would not support this at all. This is I'm, and I'm I'm telling you, this is very dangerous. When you start to ban books because you don't like what they say, when you start to ban content, when you start to um, censor material because you don't like it and you think it's, you think it's, you think it's offensive and you think it's dangerous. That's not a good thing. And here's the thing. Even if parents were complaining about it, I wouldn't censor it. Remember, the world is not a safe place. The world is not an easy place to exist. To take on the world you have to become stronger. To go through problems, you have to become stronger. Experience is the greatest teacher. When you go through trials and tribulations in life, you learn, you become, or I should say, you should learn. Hopefully you learn something when you go through something. You learn from the good. You learn from the bad. You analyze what you did. Okay, this works. This didn't. 
Why didn't this work? How could I have adjusted this? That's how you, that's how you're supposed to go through life. When you come through content and material that you don't like and that may make you feel uncomfortable, that's good. It push, it's, it forces you to push yourself and to be more than you currently are. You're not supposed to be comfortable in everything. Imagine, imagine if you were comfortable all the time in life. Imagine if you never experienced physical pain, emotional pain, uh, mental pain, um, you know, whatever. Imagine you were always comfortable. We would never grow. The slightest thing, the slightest itch or the slightest scratch, you know, we'd be, we'd be crying. It'd be, it'd be absolutely ridiculous. That's how you grow. You, you grow through issues. That's what it is. And the school district, you are, you are supposed to be training the next, the next generation to, to be one, be literate and also to be able to take on the real world. Education should be about, okay, this is the world. This is what it is. This is what it is. Take it on. That's what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be all fun and games. You're going to be challenged in what, in all areas of your life. You're going to be challenged in your own personal life by yourself. Emotionally, you're going to be challenged psychologically, financially. Emotionally. In terms of a romance, you're going to get your heart broken. You may get cheated on. You're going to get rejected. That's life. And just trying to protect, just trying to, the, in their mind, they're probably saying, okay, we're going to protect these, we're going to, we're trying to protect our kids. No, you're hurting them. You're hurting them. These are books that should be read. The Great Gatsby's pretty good. I know why the Cage Birds sing. That's that's a pretty good book. These book these are books that need to be read. I'm not I'm not for for removing content because it makes you uncomfortable. That's absolutely wrong on any level. I look at you know I look at the Bible itself. And the Bible can be hard to read at times. It's not easy to read it all the time. Because sometimes you can be going through something in your life and you're doing something in your life that doesn't line up with the word of God and you read it and you're like, mm, that stings a little bit. And that's the problem. That's what you, that's, and that's, that's what it's about. It's not easy to read everything. It's not easy to handle everything. The Bible, the Bible is, it, I think it's, I want to say it's Hebrews, gosh, I, I want to say, I'm not very good at memorization, but I want to say Hebrews 4. And it talks about how the Bible is, you know, how it's active and it's alive and it's real. It compares it to a, a two-edged sword. It's like, you know, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, 
You know, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's what the Bible is. You're supposed to line up your your life with the Bible. And that's often hard to do. It's supposed to be difficult, but that's how you become better. You need to be challenged. That's the point. And this is just absolutely wrong. This is really um, disgusting. Parents, if my child was in, if my child was in this district, I would fight this. I would strongly fight this. Seriously, like this is this is not good. Some and some of you may be saying, "Oh, you know, well, kids really shouldn't be reading that stuff. You know, that's not appropriate for them." These are real. These are real problems. Racism is a real thing. Molestation is a real thing. Incest is a real thing. War is a real thing. I I just I I I don't know. I don't know what else to to say about this. I mean, you know, profanity is a real thing. Misogyny is a real thing. Violence is a real thing. Rape is a real thing. These are these are concepts that do exist. And just trying to have these kids stay away from these books that challenge them. It only hurts them. That's all it does. You're not helping them. If you just think that the world is all cupcakes and rainbows and unicorns and, you know, happy thoughts and, you know, love and happiness, you've got a, you've really got another thing coming. You really have another thing coming. And, you're not prepared for the real world. This is wrong. I personally, would I pull my kid? Would I pull my kids out of the district? I don't know. I would definitely consider it. I would consider transferring my kids because I that that's not correct. That is not that's not right at all. That should not, that should not be. You're supposed to be challenged. That's how you grow. It's like, think of, let me think. What's a, what's a good analogy? Okay, crustaceans. So take, take lobsters, okay? So lobsters... Um, lobsters, what they do is they have shells. And so what they do, now I'll, I'll use, I'll use crabs, but what you have to look at is like, okay, crabs are really, crustacean, crustacean is really soft and mushy. Okay, it's it these are these are animals that are really squishy and really easy to step on and hurt, okay? So they use these shells to make themselves stronger and to make themselves uh to be able to defend themselves in a much better way. Okay. But as the crustacean grows, the shell becomes too big. 
excuse me, the shell becomes too tight. It becomes too small. What does they, what do they have to do? Well, they have to get out of that tight place and go find a bigger shell to use. They have to find a bigger home. This meant this, you may not quite, it's not, it's not a perfect analogy, but I hope that it makes sense. But that's what you have to do, man. Like you just, you have to continue to grow. You have to continue to become better. And you become better by being challenged. You become stronger by, you know, there's a song called Dream On by Aerosmith. And it's a great line. Um, and it's, it says, it says, you have to lose to know how to win. You can't really appreciate winning until you've lost. See, when you're just winning all the time, you don't know what it's like to lose. And winning doesn't really mean that much. But once you lose, once you go through hardship, you appreciate winning more. When you've gotten an F, an A feels really good. When you get an, when you always get an A and you're never challenged, getting an A just doesn't really feel that great. You have to go through trials and struggles in life in order to become better. That's the only way. You're trying to, you're trying to protect these kids and it's not working. It's not like it's not working. This is very dangerous, and I I don't like this one bit. That's all. I'm, that's all I have to say about this. Um, all I could do when I saw the headline was just you know all I could do was just shake my head. That's all I could do because I said this is like this is wrong, and this is again this is not just me being a reader. This is from someone who understands censorship. I understand how dangerous it is. I don't care, I don't care, I don't care what it is. When you begin to center something, it begins to grow. And that's very, very dangerous. That's what many, that's what many, uh, societies do. They censor your, they censor, you know, mail. Um, they censor books. For example, in China, you can't really read the Bible. Actually, you can't. You can't look at it. You can't read it. They burn Bibles over there. There, and it's, again, it's not just China, but there are many places around the world where certain books are not allowed. Certain content is not allowed. You don't have to like the content. I don't like. I don't like all the books that are out there. I don't agree with the Quran. I don't think it should be banned. That's not how learning works. This is. This is. Very wrong, and I'm gonna move on because I could easily go on this for, you know, two hours. So, yeah, that's that. Okay, so, uh, this is, this is an interesting story here. Uh, this is with, uh, this is from CNN. And so, Katie Couric, um, recalls an awkward interview that she had with Denzel Washington. Now, let me just say, this is not a Me Too thing. Let me just say that, okay? This is not a Me Too thing. This is um, a matter of 
miscommunication, I would say. Okay. Um, so here we go. So again, this is from, this is from, uh, CNN. Uh, Katie Couric is recalling a 2004 interview she conducted with Denzel Washington. The journalist recently appeared on the Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino podcast and talked about sitting down with the legendary actor for Dateline years ago. Washington was promoting his remake of The Manchurian Candidate along with co-star Meryl Streep and director Jonathan Dean. I think that's how you pronounce it. Couric did not know, did not specify in the podcast which part of the interview she was referring to. Her 04 Dateline story included the following. While the New Testament may might have been an unexpected and volatile sidebar, politics proved equally incendiary for Denzel. Denzel, are you... Do you feel, you know, some people say Hollywood folks should stick to acting, Couric asked. I don't know what Hollywood folks are, first of all, Washington responded. Hollywood is a town that has some stars on the sidewalk. I don't know anybody from there. He added, I'm not a Hollywood folk. I don't know who they are. Couric tried to reframe the question a few times, including asking him, Are you an actor who would rather not? But Washington cut her off. No, I'm not that either, he said. I'm a human being. My job is acting. Couric said during the podcast the experience was uncomfortable and said she believes Washington totally misconstrued a question I asked and kind of jumped all over me. I don't think I said anything wrong, she said. I don't know what happened. The Emmy-winning interviewer chalked it up to Washington having a bad day and said he later wrote a generous check to the Colon Cancer Foundation she founded. I love him. I adore him so much, Couric said. He's one of my favorite actors, but I remember walking out and feeling kind of, really kind of shaken that he had gone, that he had kind of gone after me in a way that was completely, weirdly uncalled for. So why did I just share that? Um, you know, I've, I've experienced this. Um, I have interviewed, I've tried getting people to interview and recently, um, I'm not going to give this person's name, but I reached out to this person, um, currently and again this person may change their mind this person may change their mind but i reached out to this one individual and asked them to uh have an, to, if i could interview them and originally they said yes they said okay yeah you know just give me some time you know i just my schedule is kind of hectic right now just give me some time and so and so we set a date and we set a time and then a little bit before it happened, this person pulled out and they said, okay, um, some of the words that you have said and some of the things that you believe, I don't agree with. And they thought what I was doing, like they thought that I was trying to kind of do like a gotcha kind of thing and just kind of trap them. And I said, look, this is what I wanted to interview, interview you about. I wanted to interview you about subject A. And this person thought I wanted to, um, this person thought I wanted to interview you. Oh, you just want to interview me about, you know, topic B. I think you're trying to deceive me. And I, I reached out to them and I said, no, I'm not. I said, I'm trying to be first of all i'm being upfront. i told you the name of the podcast which once i reveal the name of the podcast you can go and listen 
to what I have to say, what I have to think. I was like, okay, then this isn't really good. And that's like, that's the problem. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And she, oh man, I'm just, I'm looking at this ad. Um, but this person, I just, I don't know, man. Like, I really, I really don't know what happened. And so I tried, I tried to clarify it to this person and they just didn't want to, mm, I, I don't really know. I just, but again, I've, I've seen this happen where you can be totally upfront and just be honest about something. And that's the thing about communication. It can be misconstrued. You can say something in the nicest, kindest way with no underlying tone, no, no sort of deception or anything like that. You can be totally upfront and be really nice and someone can take what you say and flip it on its head. And you are just like, what just happened? So what, what, what Katie Couric said, you know, again, if this is true, I can relate to this, you know, and again, this happens to all of us. There have been times where I have misconstrued what someone says, and there have been times where someone has misconstrued what I said. That's communication. That, that's just one of the parts of it. There's, there's going to be something that, there's going to be some sort of disconnect that takes place. It's possible. And it really happens, it happens fairly often. I'm hoping that this person reconsiders, um, uh, wanting to do the interview. Um, cause I was, I still am really excited about doing it. But it's like, man, you gotta be kidding me. Like you just, you've got to be joking. And I, and I just explained it in a very nice way. I said, look, this is what I'm trying to do. I, I didn't, she went, oh, I, I will, I guess I revealed it. It's a she, but she revealed something about herself and she said, okay, well, I think you're really trying to talk to me about this. And I said, I said, listen, no, I'm not. I, that, that's not even my intention. I didn't even know that about you. I wanted to talk about this. You're an expert on this in this area. This is why I want to talk to you. This is why I wanted to interview you. This is why I, I, I reached out to you. I'm trying to learn from you. They haven't responded to me yet concerning that email, but I don't know if they will. Um, I certainly hope that she does, but you know, we'll see. But remember, you know, when it comes to communicating, I try to try to go by this. Okay. If you when whenever you say anything, remember that it can be misconstrued. But again, if you did not say anything wrong, don't apologize. I didn't apologize to this woman because I didn't do anything wrong. You should never apologize if you didn't do anything wrong. You can clarify, but apologizing implies that you did something wrong. 
And I think, I think that's a, I think that it's a skill that takes developing and I'm still working on it myself. Cause there are times where I will apologize and then I'll go back and think about it and I'm like, why did I apologize? I didn't say anything wrong. But seriously, you know, it, it, if you do say something wrong and you do do something wrong, you should indeed apologize. And you know, you know, try to correct it and, you know, move forward from that. But if you did nothing wrong, and you said nothing wrong, and the person just took it the wrong way, that's not your problem. If someone says something and it offends me, that's not a them problem, that's a me problem. If I say something on this podcast that offends you, that's not a me problem, that's a you problem. Again, offense is taken, it is not given, I cannot push a button on my keyboard that will make the person who hears what I say offended. And vice versa. If someone says something to me that I don't like, it's because I choose to be offended. It is a choice at the end of the day. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. Um, you know, hopefully she reconsiders. I was really looking forward to the interview and you know I may just um she has my number she's able to call me and we can talk and hopefully that hopefully we can do that and just take like I don't know 10 15 20 minutes to just talk to where we can clarify what's going on because I don't really know I don't really know how she came up with this mindset I don't have uh, her number, but I gave her, I gave her my number. So she's able to reach out to me. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's that. Hopefully, uh, that situation goes the way I would like it to, and we can just have a great conversation. Okay. So, um, uh, I took a, I took a COVID-19 antibody test on, uh, on Wednesday and I don't have the results yet, but I just want to talk to you about my doctor's visit. So, um, I saw my, I saw this doctor in like February and so I was supposed to see him in March, but then the, uh, the, the pandemic really, the pandemic didn't really hit because it was already, it was already here, but the lockdown happened. And so quarantine started out. And so my appointment got canceled. And so it got pushed to, um, it got pushed to Tuesday. And so I was like, mm, okay. And so on Tuesday, I went to the, I went to my doctor. He's fantastic. He's down to earth. Um, he's just really, he's really phenomenal. Um, but I was talking to him and we had a great conversation. You know, I asked him about, you know, social distancing and stuff like that. And, um, you know, my sickness and what happened to me. And we had, we had a tremendous conversation. And when it came to social distancing, what we talked about, he said, you know, social distancing in his, he believes that social distancing works, but that humans are just really bad at it. 
And so, on that part, I kind of disagreed with him. I do believe that social distancing can work. I just don't think it's, I just don't believe it is as effective as we make it to be. Cause at some point, you're just gonna have to be around people in order, in order to function. We can't, a sneeze or a cough can spread like, no, I think it's a sneeze because the sneeze comes out way faster. But a sneeze can spread like 23 feet. We can't stay 23 feet away from people. So, you know, he believes that social distancing is, you know, important and it's crucial. But he also understands the economic part of it. He understands that people do have to get back to work and that it's not sustainable to just stay away from work and for people to just stay home. Um, but we had a great conversation and, um, I told him, cause I talked to him about what happened in December. And, uh, for some of my, for some of my new, uh, some of my new listeners who may not know, um, in December of 2019, um, I nearly lost my life because I got very sick. Um, supposedly I had the flu, but the flu, I mean, and when I, when I mean I got sick, I was put on an ECMO machine and pretty much when you are put on, look it up, E-C-M-O, when you are put on an ECMO machine, that's pretty much it. You really have no shot. That's pretty much just saying, okay, we're just kind of helping you out, but you're probably not going to make it. It's just kind of like, it's, it's, it's more, it's kind of like life sustainment, but not really. It's, it's kind of complicated. Um, but anyway, I was really sick. My organs were shutting down. The only thing that was beating, that was working was my heart. Um, I had to be on a ventilator. It was just horrendously bad. I, I, I'll never forget that as long as I live. And it's really changed me. In multiple ways. So. I. You know. I've been really thinking lately. Probably since about. Probably since quarantine started. I really have just been thinking back to that time. Of when I was sick. And I. And here's the thing. When I was sick. I went to the hospital December 6th. My mom got there December 8th. Okay. And she was with me you know, the entire time, pretty much. I mean, she would go to my dorm to, like, shower, stuff like that, and she would go to get food. But she she was there She was there with me the entire time. And so, I personally believe that I had COVID-19. But, what kind of prevents me from, from going all in on that bet is the fact that my mom probably would have gotten it. Cause she, cause she was just always there. And the nurses also would have gotten it. And so, and same for the doctors. But my thing is, okay, when they said the, again, I've never had the flu in my life. I've never had it. And for the flu to do that to me that quickly, because see, like my organs, like I got, I got some food from Uber Eats. I ate, and then I put my leftovers in the fridge, 
because I was studying for finals at the time, and my body just wasn't feeling right. I thought I was having a sickle cell pain crisis, but that wasn't the case. They told me that my, you know, that my body was shutting down. And so my body, for the flu to cause my body to shut down that quickly, I don't believe it was the flu. That's just me. I don't, I, I, it's hard for me to subscribe to that. No one else got sick, but I just look at it and I say, there's, I was like, in my mind, there's no way, there is no way I, there's, whatever, there's no way the flu would just do that to me. I just, I can't subscribe to that. I don't believe that. That's why I think I had COVID-19. I listened to the symptoms that people had, and those are, those are symptoms that I had and was going through in the hospital. And so that's why I don't think it was the flu. The flu does not do that to your organs. It, the flu does not cause your body to shut down. That's just not a thing. So that's why I think I had COVID-19. Um, so, um, and, and my doctor also explained this to me concerning the antibody test, which is really interesting. He said, if it comes back positive, you definitely have been exposed. But he also said, if it comes back, no, it doesn't mean that you didn't have it and that you haven't been exposed to it. So if it comes back, yes, then I had it. If it comes back, no, well, you know, we, we don't know. We don't know. Um, but I will keep you guys updated on that. Um, I will probably let you know for the Tuesday episode, the result, I, I, whenever I get the results, um, I will let you guys know, but I'm probably going to get the results from that, um, Monday. Um, he said that it's, you know, uh, 24 to 48 hour time turnaround, but to give it an extra business day, which is, you know, Monday through Friday. Which would mean that Monday would be the phone call for me finding out if I indeed had it. And, you know, let me just explain the test. Um, it's really, it's like giving blood. You're, you're giving blood. The thing about it's pretty much the way it works is they have to test for COVID-19. Because when I was in the hospital, they were taking blood all the dang time. Like they, they, you could, you could, you could make a fountain out of the, all the blood that I gave to those people. But um, it's it's like a blood test. And when I was in the hospital, they weren't testing me for COVID-19. Um, and also, also, let me say this. Here's another reason why I believe that I had COVID-19. Um, when I was... Uh, the first few deaths that happened in the nation, the, the kind of like the first wave... They were in San Francisco and Sacramento is really not that far. It's, it's like, I don't know, hour and a half from Sacramento, depending on how fast you drive, but it's not that far from me. And there's a, there's a good, 
aging population on campus. Um, and, you know, my doctor and I talked about, you know, how there, you know, were 8,000 people coming to, you know, to and from China to California every single day. So it's certainly possible. And this, we are, you know, and I'm not saying that it's just the Chinese people who have it, but we know that this virus is very, very contagious. So anyway, that's really all I have. I will keep you guys updated. And, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm excited for the results. My gut, what does my gut tell me? It keep, it honestly keeps going back and forth. My gut tells me, like right now, it's telling me that I, it's gonna come back negative. But then, you know, the, you know, before I started to record this, I asked myself, okay, 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 you have, you have to make a bet, a million dollars. What do you say? And I, I said, my bet there would have been yes. Because I just, the, for the flu to do that to me so intensely, so quickly, where I have to be put on, on all these machines that I didn't, that I didn't even know were a thing before. That's, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to think that I had the flu. And he did say, my doctor did say that, um, it is possible. It hasn't really been studied, but it is possible to have the flu and COVID. So what I, what I do know for sure. Okay. What I do know for sure. Um, and it's, it's been, it's been looked at by multiple doctors that I did indeed have the flu. But there are also questions that they had where they're like, you know, man, we don't like, we don't know what's wrong with you. We don't know why you can't sleep. You know, we don't really know why this happens so, so severely because I thought it was a sickle cell pain crisis that was coming on because I was feeling the pain in my back, which is usually what happens when I'm having a crisis. But I look at it, but you know, they never mentioned sickle cell. Because I remember asking them directly, soon after I got the vent, the you know got the ventilator removed, you know I was talking to them and I said, okay, so, okay, so did I have a sickle cell crisis? And they said we don't know. And I've I've had multiple crises in my life concerning sickle cell, and they've never told me that. I, they've ne- I've never been told I don't know. I have been told by in the emergency room that sickle cell disease is not a thing. And I almost wanted to, you know, grab the doctor by the, by the, uh, you know, by their, by their coat and, you know, shake them violently. Um, but anyway, I've, I was never told that, that where they said, we don't know what you have. We don't know what happened. So that's, uh, that's the concern. Um, so, you know, I will let you guys know what happens. And.